Hey y'all. Hey y'all. We're back to the back to the back with another episode. And I mean, I've been saying this every week, but we just been having guests back to back to back. <laughs> Today we have a very special guest on um I won't call him by his title, the D Denar Jones. Um, but yes, we're so happy to have him on. Um, he's a great leader, definitely um, inspirational in our lives. So we definitely wanted to have him on. Um, you can go ahead and introduce yourself and then we'll get into it. Pew, 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 pew. Oh, crap, 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 <laughs> when we get the soundboard, it was, was good. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. I am Denard Jones. I am a freshman at the Clark Atlanta University. I am, uh uh-huh, I am a communications (laughs) major um, and a mass media minor, and I am excited to be on the podcast. I love what you guys do, and I'm excited to speak with you and your listeners. Period. Of course. All right. So, if you guys didn't check out the last episode, Setting Boundaries, that was a nice little cool, calm episode, but um, definitely needed for us and you guys so praying that you guys watch that and were encouraged by it today's topic is processing grief so that can be um kind of heavy but it doesn't have to be so we're gonna try to you know lighten it up and not make it like dark um but to get into it and get started what is everybody's definition of grief i'll let our guests go first while i think of (laughs) Throw me to the wolves. So, 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 um, if I had to sum it up, it is the um, the emotional response to missing someone's presence. So, for me, grief doesn't just occur when there is death, but anytime there is transition, anytime someone is removed. But for me, it is the obvious uh, emotional response when someone has been removed from my life, someone or something, because I grieve, I've grieved more than just people, but we'll talk about that later. But to me, that's what grief is. Okay. That's good. Yeah. My definition would be, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go. go, go. <laughs> okay. Um, when I thought of grief, like when I was sitting with this yesterday, the first word that came to my mind is lament. And so I basically searched up um, what exactly lamenting is. And one of the commentaries I read was, um, it says, a lament is a prayer expressing sorrow, pain, or confusion. Lament should be the chief way Christians process grief in God's presence. Because many Christians have grown up in churches, which also look at the bright side. Lament can be jarring or shocking. Um, But yeah, so kind of like Denar was saying, like an expression I guess of like deep sorrow or um, pain. Definitely agree. I think mine kind of just sums up the what both of y'all said. I think really it's just a deep feeling um, after a loss, whether that's sorrow, whether that's just a deep sadness, 
um, feeling of defeat, just any type of loss. I like how Denari kind of opened it up, how it's not necessarily just people. It could be things. And that person doesn't have to necessarily be physically dead. They can just be removed from your life and you can be grieving that. But of course, we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more um, later on. That was literally something Camille said. So it's crazy that that was already brought up. But yeah, that's what we know. Confirmation, <laughs> confirmation. Okay. So moving along, so now that we kind of had our definitions of grief, we like to just um, look up what Google likes to say. Then, of course, we're going to back it up with the Bible because sometimes Google is not always right. But how Google defines grief, it says that it's a deep sorrow, especially um, caused by someone's death. And they also had another meaning, which was trouble or annoyance. So again, Google defines grief as a deep sorrow, especially caused by someone's death or trouble or annoyance. And um, we also like to add in the Hebrew, Greek, Latin, you know, mm. theologians in the making. We really study the oh. word. We study the word. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the Latin definition of um, grief actually comes from, it's a word, gravar meaning to make heavy. Um, and then gravar comes from the Latin word gravis. I think I'm saying that way, which means weighty. So when you think of grief, it's like something heavy on your heart or something like weighty. So I thought that was a good way to think of it. And then like in gravity. Hebrew. I don't know. Cause I was just thinking of like the gravitational pull, how it's like a heavy pull. If there's tension, gravity, right gravity. There. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Also in Hebrew, there's three different words. So there's A-T-Z-A-V, which means the action to grieve. It's the spelling. Because she said, I can't even try to pronounce it. (laughs) Didn't even pronounce. She just said, go ahead and spell. It's okay. Go ahead and spell. The action to grieve. The next one is K-A-A-S. Cause, I guess. The physical reaction from grief and then tuga is grief as a result of torment. So three different words in Hebrew meaning grief, but in three different ways. So, yeah, just want to include those. And before getting into the biblical definition, I really like how in the Hebrew, there are three different ways to kind of show how grief is just a big process. Like there's the Mm. action of grief. Then there's the actual yeah. feeling of grief. And then it's the Your aftermath, spots. like what happens yes. after the fact. Yeah, it's like, it's it's definitely a cycle because grief comes in many stages. And you we learn about that, like there's like psychological evidence of how there's different stages okay. of grief. Um, and this just kind of just shows like this is a cycle. It's a part of life. It's a process. Um, and you can f- um, kind of feel it in different aspects of your life and different areas of your life. Um, but yeah, I just want to throw that tidbit in there. I thought it was really interesting how there's three different definitions that kind of just show how it's not just one thing. Um, but yeah, the biblical definition. So when we grieve, this is from a Christian website. It was just some commentary. Don't remember the exact name, but they were saying how when we grieve, our deepest selves declare that something is wrong with this broken world, um, which is something that's bound to happen because our we live in a fallen world. We already know, like, from the story of Adam and Eve, like, we had perfection until the um, the fruit um, of knowledge. I think it's knowledge. The tree, evil, the tree of good and not. Yeah. Yes. 
Yes. So when that fruit was eaten, that's when sin entered the world. So that's when we just, we automatically are just in a fallen world. But of course, God sent his son, Jesus Christ. So, you know, once we, you know, believe in him and make him Lord and savior of our lives, then things can start changing. But that doesn't mean we have a perfect life. So we automatically, since we're in this fallen world, we live in an imperfect world, we're bound to feel grief. And they were just describing it as, again, grief is just our deepest selves declaring that something is wrong um, with um, the broken world. So after reading that, I was thinking of these questions, like, why do we even experience grief? Isn't it the Christian life that it's supposed to be easy? Because a lot of people say, like, what's the point if we still go through the same thing everyone else is going through? It's supposed to be real easy, it's supposed to be perfect rainbows and sunshines but that is not the truth we still experience the world as christians um it's not like we're immune to ever going through any type of hardship any type of challenge any type of grief any type of loss um in response to these questions this was from envoy church they had um their website and they said that since we live in a broken world um god intended Although we live in a broken world, God intended us to live in peace and joy without suffering. But because we are in a broken world, that's why suffering exists. And they were saying how where God intended us to live in community, there is loss. So where God designed us to have life, there is illness and death. So where God wanted us to have peace and stability, there is chaos. And they were just describing the world itself. God had plans for us to have peace, but we are in a chaotic world. Um, it doesn't take much to say that we're in a chaotic world. You can look at just this country, the world, Anything. even locally. Like there's a lot of things going on that makes it very chaotic, but it doesn't mean that God isn't there. And that wasn't God's intention for our lives. So it's just, um, I just want to bring that, put that out there that, it is biblical in the sense that everything else after Adam and Eve ate the fruit, that's us falling into that broken world. That's where we see grief, even if it's not explicitly stating grief. There are moments, there are scriptures that talk about grief um, and talking about mourning. But you can see grief throughout the entire Bible because we are in a broken world. We are in a fallen world. So it's not something that um, Christians just never experience. So. Yeah, that's my little thing I wanted to and and, and just to piggyback on that because oftentimes people will say things like especially um you know unsafe people um or no and it's also prevalent amongst believers right people who think and suggest somehow that the life of a Christian should be easier than the life of mm -hmm. you know someone who's not mm -hmm. saved and one of the things that um i learned early on is that god does not get the saved people out of the good box of the world he doesn't go get he doesn't get he doesn't get christian when people get saved he doesn't go get them from the better parts the, the posh parts of That's of good. the world we get saved from the world. So the same thing that you experience, we experience. The difference is our response. And mm. when we talk about even grief, the truth of the matter is, is just, is, is grief is, is, is the way that we know that something is wrong and the only way to fix it is God. 
That's how, that's how, that's what it is. It is our, it is our yearning. The scripture talks about how um, the, the creature yearns for the earnest manifestation of the son of God. It yearns for that. That, that talks about the spirit man knowing that something is wrong and that there's got to be something that can fix this. And that is what grief is yeah. a part of that. It is the yearning, the inward yearning for the manifestation of the son of God. And so when we talk about grief, just like we talk about the fall in the garden, the only thing that could fix that and rectify that was God. That's why he sent mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. And as we as it relates to um, the turmoil that we experience, because grief is just one of those things, right? It's just, it falls under the category. But just like um, Jesus was the remedy for the fall in the garden, Jesus is the remedy for our grief. He doesn't take it away from us, but he helps us through it. He gives us a way out. Mm-hmm. He gives us a way to deal with yes. it. He, em- he empowers us to help us. And he even gives us a comforter. I, I don't want to go too deep because we gonna we got a long that's way to go. That's what the Holy Spirit but that's is. That's what the Holy Spirit <laughs> is. He sends us the yeah. comforter to help us through it. He doesn't necessarily take it away from us, but he does give us mm-hmm. the power to get through it. And so Jesus gives that's us that good. remedy. That's good. Amen. To what you said about like he won't take it away from us, but he'll help us get through it. I think it was um Paul. Somewhere in the Bible, he was like, was it Paul? Paul or David? Somebody was going through something. They were like, Lord, like, take this away from me, take this away from me. They prayed and prayed and prayed, but he didn't. And then um yesterday I was watching The Chosen on one of the episodes, the guys were the guy was like, You're healing everybody around me. Why won't you heal me? And Jesus was like, I'm leaving you with it because I trust you with it and I'm going to help you through it. Like you're going to have a bigger testimony because you were able to heal other people, even though you had this ailment and you can tell people that I was helping you through it. Yes. So that was was Paul who said thrice I Mm -hmm. sought the Lord. Three times I sought the Lord to take this thorn Mm -hmm. from my flesh, to take this, this, Mm -hmm. this, this trouble from me. We don't know what that anguish was, but we do know that it was it was it was troublesome to Paul. He he asked the father mm-hmm. three times to take it from me. And and the father says, I will not take it from you, but instead I'll give you my grace. He says, yeah. My grace is sufficient. It's sufficient. It's enough. Yes. It's enough to help you deal with whatever it is that you're dealing with. So even as it relates to grace, there is a remedy and the remedy is grace. Yeah. That's and so you good. Think about, that's so good. And when you think about Jesus too and him like praying to God like, Lord, take this cup from me. I was about to say that. But go like, ahead. You know, he said, take this cup from me, but your will be done. Yeah. And God was like, no, like, I'm not taking it from you, but I'm going to help you through it. And I'm allowing you to go through this for a reason that's bigger than you can even imagine. So, yeah, that's so good. And when that's, we talk about so the good. grief of the mm-hmm. cross, the Bible talks about how our griefs were laid upon him. So that tells mm-hmm. me that even on the cross, Jesus is the ultimate um, person to experience grief that's what he was dealing with mm-hmm. he wasn't grieving just a person he was grieving a situation mm-hmm. he was grieving a reality yes. why do i have to take okay. this like why do i gotta deal with it why i gotta be this way you know what i mean like surely yeah. there's another way and is that mm-hmm. not what we say right when, when we experience transition when we experience loss and devastation come on now it don't gotta be this way you don't have to be yeah but god says in those moments I have a remedy for you, and it is always going to be my grace. 
That's so good. I just think it's so important. Um, kind of just wrapping up what y'all just both said. Essentially, like what makes us different from non Christians is that we who were like our response and how we run to God. Like it's not the fact that we have a problem, but it's the fact that we're running to God when we do have problems or running or honestly, God already knows we have problems. We're telling our problems about our God. Like that's the difference between us and everybody else. It's not that we go through different things. We're all we're all on this earth and we all have our um our different things, but it's really just that response. Like, are you running to God? And he has all the answers. He has that grace. He gives you that peace that surpasses all understanding. He can give you that joy in the midst of so much pain and sorrow. And I just think that's so important. And even just like, just talking about how Jesus was grieving too. Cause he said like, take it away. Like imagine if God really did take it away, we would have been dead. Just, I don't know if I would even made it to 20 yeah. years of life. We would have surely been dead, but it just goes to show that you're not alone. Like this is something that, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later too, but like, you're just, you're not alone. Not only are other believers going through this, but Jesus went through it. He literally was grieving Jesus and Jesus grieves with us. Like one of the most powerful scriptures that Jesus wept, like after um, one of his close friends, I think it was, I, I don't know if it was his cousin, but someone had died. Was it Lazarus? Lazarus. Yeah, it was Lazarus, even though he brought him back to life afterwards. But like in that moment, he knew that he could not go to them when they initially called for him. And he, he wept like he was like, wow, this is really sad. Like he died. Of course, a few scriptures later, he does bring Lazarus. Um, he raises him from the dead. But even then, like Jesus is there with us. And when Denar was talking about just being a comforter, that's what the Holy Spirit is for us in these times of grief. Like we have a comforter. We have an answer. Um, and I know for non-Christians or just non-believers, it's I think that's what truly sets us apart because we have a remedy. Sometimes people look to other things and they don't know how to really get through it, but we have, that's the one thing for sure. Like, or just, like, that's the one thing we know that that's certainly going to give us something is like our remedy is God. His grace is sufficient. Um, so when yeah, we, I just when, wanted to throw that in there. When we talk about, I want to go back to the garden and I want to clarify my point and, and almost reiterate that the struggles of this world is what creates in us a need for God, a need for a fixer. Mm. And when we go into our various situations, again, a Christian doesn't deal with anything. He doesn't, he doesn't experience anything different from the world. The difference is his response. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk to the yeah. unbeliever and when we talk to Christians, those who have not accepted Christ, I don't like to call you unbelievers. That's so, I don't want to call you an unbeliever, right? But someone who hasn't fully accepted Jesus Christ as their way out and their way through, when you are in those situations, you will begin to look for things. It's, it's our response mm -hmm. to look for things to mm -hmm. us, to, to help us or to give us that relief. And you, some people look in drugs. Some people look in, in alcohol yeah. and, and some people look in, in relationships and other people. But I want to say yeah. that in this moment, please understand, you will never find that outside of your creator. You were created. Yeah. You were created to need yeah. your creator. And no matter what you do, you were wait, hold on. You were created, you were created to, to need, need your creator. creator. Yes. Yep. So and good. there's no stop trying to run to his little creation. There's no way the source around it. Grief reminds mm -hmm. you 
that you need your creator. And in that moment, when you learn to accept that, when you learn to, um, when you learn, when you fully embrace that truth, you would then begin to see hope and, and clarity come into your life. But that's the only way you're going to do it. So no matter what you're dealing with and no matter what you're grieving, I'm telling you, you got to go to your creator. You have to. That's so good. That's Thank good. you so much, Denar, just for, honestly, a lot of the Holy Spirit is just speak through you, but that's just so important. Like making sure you're, you're running to the true source, the creator, giving it yeah. to God, like casting everything onto God, like he can handle it. Um, but yeah, that's very important. I do want to talk a little bit about how grief can come in different ways. Like I know we're, we were, we've been defining, we're trying to paint this picture of what grief really is. And I know we kind of touched on some, some deep things, but I do want to kind of lay this foundation before we dive even deeper about how there's different types of grief. Um, so yeah, there's different types of grief. And even I'm just going back to that Google definition. There was two types. Of course, it said a deep sorrow, but it also said a trouble or annoyance. And I think this truly speaks to that trouble or annoyance, how it's not always a physical death. It can be annoying when you don't have like someone who you thought was supposed to be close to you isn't close to you anymore. It can be annoying when you lose your job. It can be annoying when you get rejected from an opportunity. That's just, these are different types of loss and it kind of feels troublesome, especially when you think, when you think of your finances. Okay. I just got let go. What am I supposed to do? Like, hello, like we got bills to pay, all this other stuff. How how are things supposed to get done? Or when you're just thinking about like the people around you, we were supposed to be ride or dies. We were four lifers. All of a sudden, we're not together anymore. And this isn't just friends. This can be regular relationships. So just any type of breakup, heartache, things like that. Um. So yeah, and I, I just want to say that there is a season for everything. The Bible talks about that. How, and I think this even includes people. People come and go from our lives all the time, um, whether they're physically coming and going or they're just um, spiritually, we just can't be tapped into close to each other or like we just have to distance ourselves. Sometimes people just um, grow apart um, in those ways. So when the Bible talks about it, it's in Ecclesiastes chapter three, there's verses one through 14. I'm not going to read all of it, but I think that's a great chunk of scripture and it just points out how there's a season for everything. So the beginning part of the scripture, it says for everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. That even not only talking about physical death. Yes. That just talks about the process of life. We will die that we don't live forever. Like physically, spiritually, we will live forever, but like physically our bodies can only last for so long. Um, but not only just a physical death, I do want to talk about how like those other pieces of death, almost when sometimes you have to cut something off you have to let something die in order for you to grow and there's a time for that there's a season for that and this includes people um so yeah friendships ending relationships ending losing a job moving to a new area um things like that these are transitions in your life and any type of transition requires some form of death either you're killing your fleshly desires or you're setting boundaries for certain people or you're i mean going back to setting boundaries go ahead and listen to that episode i didn't even realize that was a shameless plug but go ahead and listen to the last episode about setting boundaries but yeah you're killing your flesh you're setting boundaries or maybe you just have to meet some new people because you had to cut some people off you had to let that old part of you die because sometimes some people aren't taking you in the right direction sometimes 
even if you think that they are, God will surely tell you like, hey, they don't need to be in your lives anymore. Even if they don't show you or not, if God is giving you that word and that vision, you got to listen to him. Choosing obedience over everything. Like you just listen to God. It may not even make sense at that moment why you have to cut something off. Or you might be feeling like that grief of like, I can't believe it. We really used to be in the sandbox together. Like this was my closest friend. Now we're not friends anymore. Like that can really hurt, but you have to understand that God will guide you, especially yeah. if he's taking them out of your life. There's a reason. And I get, let me get off to the soapbox. Sorry. Go no, ahead. Same, go ahead. I love how you said you have, some things have to die in order to grow. Yep. Like some things literally have to be cut off. That like goes back to um, when the Bible, they talk about like pruning. Yes, like certain things so are cut good. off of us so that we can grow. If it's a dead part, nothing's going to grow from it. So that's so good. I just wanted to bring that up um, again. And, and, and as, even as it relates to death, and, uh, I, I, I've had many experiences with death. I was raised around older people. So I've been, I've been burying people my entire life. But there's never been death like the death of my old man. When I was saved, and I mean, I've always been in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and I've never rejected the truth. But around 21-something transitioned, and that was when I got serious about my relationship with God. And I, I come from like a very old-school Pentecostal church. Um, but 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 I like to call it old school because I was always in school. It might have been traditional teaching and, and old and like um like uh, it, I like to call it age old wisdom, right? It was a lot of older people who had been saved for a long time and they knew how to make it work. They knew how to do this. They knew how to do this life. And um, one of the things that I, I one of the first lessons that I learned was that you got to say goodbye to your old man. Who you used to be, you That's will good. never be him again. Your, your, I who live, but the Christ who all of your old passions, mm-hmm. they got to die. All your old habits, they yep. got to die. Your mentality has to change. Your old friend groups, yeah. they've got to change. So you have to say goodbye to all of them. And it was like in one day, I had to make a decision <sighs> to say goodbye to this old person. And then I had to walk that out for, mm-hmm. for a year. And I'm still walking that out there are moments in life when i get irritated when people do things to me and immediately the old denard will rise up and i have to kill him i have to kill him and and the 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 most potent grief i've ever felt in life is when i've got to walk away from my old self when I have to, when I walk mm, away from a person that's, that's really done good. me wrong, that's and I really want to respond good. one way, and I have to say, I yes, respond that way no more. <laughs> that's when I feel the grief. That's, so that's when I and I, and and and, yes. and and I spent many years with that old Denard. Many years. Mm-hmm. This new man that I'm becoming, I don't own myself. I don't belong my, to myself. God is shaping me into the man that he intended for me to be. He is very familiar with this Denard. I am not. And so there are days when I miss that old Denard. 
when I miss all of the friends that came with that, when I miss some of the circumstances that I used to be in and some of the uh, 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 things we used to do. But that that is a form of grief, but it's healthy, right? Because in that moment, I understand that this is a better way for me. I understand that 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 there's better life. There's life in this version of Denar that the old Denar only took me to death. It only took me to death and destruction. Mm -hmm. And so no matter where you are in your phase of grief, right? So maybe you're grieving um, a job. Maybe you're grieving a family member who who doesn't live in the state anymore. Maybe you're even grieving. You used to go to one college or university and you don't go there anymore. Whatever it is that you're grieving, Mm -hmm. understand that there's still life ahead of you. There's still a life. There's a good life that God wants to give you. He will never allow anything to be taken from you that you will still need. Anything that is taken from you, it's because you don't need it anymore. And you have gotten all that you need. And there's no more life there. But I promise you, if you just Mm -hmm. keep walking, there's life ahead of you. Ask me how I know, because I'm living it. When I grieved the old Denard, I had to wake myself up at some point and say, but I got life now. I've been given an opportunity yes. to live anew. There's life on the other side of that grief. That's good. I like how you said healthy grief. Cause while you were talking, I was just thinking like, that's a good type of grief though. Cause like you're not able and you don't even want to go back to that. But like you understand that there's new on the other side, there's better on the other side. So that's so good. And that's yeah. with anything, right? Like that's like not even just with I talk about my salvation and the death and the death of my old man, but again, there's death. I mean, there's there's grief in different areas of life. But I think what's key mm-hmm. in going through your grief, no matter where where how it manifests, no matter what you're grieving, is that is to understand that there's more ahead of you than there is behind you, right? There's better ahead yes. of you, and um and and sometimes that can be insensitive, right? So that can sound insensitive to a person that may have just lost a child or a spouse, right? Mm -hmm. And so by no means are we intending to be insensitive, but we are trying to give you hope because that's what God wants to give us, a hope and a future, an expected end. There's more ahead of you. There's more ahead of you. That is, that's really good. And even just to that point where, um, how sometimes it can sound insensitive. I know I was actually just listening to Tim Ross like yesterday and he he likes to say like putting Jesus glitter because sometimes like, it can be toxic and it's in a sense where we're like, well, you just give it to God and everything's okay, which is true. Give everything to God. But we also have to be very real that it does. It's very hard, especially if you're losing like a loved one. Like I know we're talking about different types of grief, but if I were to lose my parents at this right now, like that's very hard losing a child that that is very hard. And I really like how um, we do want to reiterate, like we're not um, trying to be insensitive or trying to sprinkle this this Jesus glitter. Jesus is the answer, but we also have to be very real that like life happens and sometimes life sucks and it, sometimes it's not fair. But um, to Denard's point, there's more to it. Like that's the that's the type of message we're trying to send that, yes, this is terrible right now. You can feel what you're feeling, but this is not the end. And I kind of it leads me to um, another point I had about grief being temporary. It's not supposed to be something that lasts forever. Um, and this is from one of my devotionals 
that I think it was on the on the Bible app. They do like different verses of the day. So I was clicking through the story and this is one of them. And a quote that it said was, while suffering is unavoidable, you can know that its days are numbered. So this even says that like we are going to suffer and there's scriptures about like John 16, 33, like Jesus is saying like fear, like fear not, like you will enter some trouble, but like I've overcome the world. So you're good. But like you will go through some things and, and that could be different for each person, whether that's physical loss, whether that's you losing some friends, whether that you losing a job, I'm losing some money, like losing a lot of stuff, like loss is a part of life, but it's days are numbered. Suffering doesn't last always. And I know a lot of, um, a lot of the older saints, we all know joy comes in the morning. So I want to put that scripture in like some people might have heard it, but like, where does it actually come from? So in Psalm chapter 30, verse five, it says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. This isn't just a song we like to sing. Like this is actual scripture. You might have heard it before, but like, what does it really mean? Because I know like, before I took the Bible more serious, like I've heard that scripture before. I didn't know it was really in the Bible. I just thought it was something people just said. But after like reading in the word, like, please know that this actually is scripture. It is truth. It's it's God's word that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And also like another thing, just because it's morning doesn't mean it's always going to be sunshine. It's technically morning when it's still dark outside. Think about that. Let me just let that sit. Let me just let that sit. Because it's <laughs> at 12 o'clock a.m. It's midnight, but it's morning time. But it's dark. I still can't see. Yeah, it's dark, but it's it's technically morning. Just just think about that. Just because it's morning doesn't mean it's always going to be sunshine and rain. No, it could still be dark and gloomy, but it's morning. So what do you do? Yeah. What do you do when your morning still looks like night? Mm. Now that sounds like a sermon. Go ahead. What? <laughs> but that's very do? real. That's very real. What, what do you do? In the moments where your morning, where you, where, where God has said your situation has changed, but, Mm -hmm. but it don't look like it. In those moments, Mm -hmm. I think the enemy plays with our mind to convince us or to try to make us think that God didn't do what he said he was going to do. That, that, that Mm, God didn't. Um, that God wants you to be stuck in this, that no matter what happens, this is what it mm-hmm. is. First of all, I want to remind you that your dark season is not supposed to be forever. We talk about the, sometimes we read these scriptures That's where it good. says, and it came to pass and it came to pass. Yet it came to pass. It did not come to stay. Mm-hmm. It did not come to stay. Yes. It came to mm-hmm. pass. That's so when you are good. dealing with something and it, even in the, even in your, your, it looks like midnight is still dark in your life, but, but you, you believe that things have changed. You got to tell yourself, remind yourself it came to pass. It did not come to stay. Yes. It came to pass. And just as surely mm-hmm. as night will turn into morning, eventually your sun will shine again. But I also want us to go back. That sounds really good. That sounds great. Right. That's the shouting part. But I want to go back to your midnight, to your to your dark moments. Mm-hmm. There are moments in our lives where if we're not careful, we'll build a house where we should have had a tent. We will build, mm. we will make permanent decisions based off of a temporary situation. If, okay. if, if our grief it's supposed to be temporary. Am I doing? Am I going too mm-hmm. fast? All yeah. right. No, no, no. Keep going. Keep going. This is if, good. 
press on the gas. Like I, we gone. If our grief is supposed to be temporary, then that means that your decisions making, your decision making can't be based off of your emotions. Oh, your emotion, your your emotions. Cheyenne, tell them what we say about emotions. Deceptive. <laughs> Your emotions can change with something as simple as a meal. Mm. I'm unhappy, but I eat, and now I'm happy again. Whoa. And sometimes in our grief, because grief is mm-hmm. tricky, grief will make mm-hmm. you think you're okay and then surprise you and say, oh, you're not. You will get to moments where you stop crying and think I'm no longer grieving, but your decision-making shows that you're still grieving. And there's nothing mm. wrong with that, but you got to make sure that you don't, that you, that you are careful in your judgments and even in your, your own life's life decisions. Sometimes we date based off of our grief. Am I going to, am I going too fast? Sometimes we pick friends yeah. based off of our grief. We start getting sometimes, sometimes we take jobs based off of grief. Okay. Sometimes we make life-altering decisions based off of a temporary situation. God says in those moments, you got to cast your cares on me and then look to me for direction. Yes. You cannot yes. be led by your emotions. I don't judge people who commit suicide. And I know people, it, 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 there are people who say that, that suicide is a sin and immediately you're going to hell. Yeah, I can't that. say that. I don't know that it's true or not true. But what I do know is I can't judge them. Because all I see in suicidal attempts and suicide attempts are people who got led away by their own emotions. They got led by their mm-hmm. own grief. They got led by their own yes. depression. And you can't allow your emotions to lead you because emotions wow. don't have an end. Your feelings just like to feel. Oh. They don't have any Hold guards on. or guides. They just like to feel. Whoa. So you you Hold on, Denard. I'm need, hold on. We just need a timeout. We, we we just going. I know I said press on the gas, but you we we going. We going. Hold on, Bro, hold on. This is so good. We just have to. Okay, I just want to pin, put a pin right there. Backtrack to all the good things that you've just been saying. Like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I want. I think we need to take a moment just to process what you just said about how feelings. Oh. We always talk about how feelings are deceptive, but you just said like feelings do what they do. They just feel. And they they latch on to other things. As soon as like that temporary thing. That that point was really good, but even going back to the going back to that midnight when sometimes it's it's still like technically it's supposed to be morning, but sometimes it still feels dark. I think like to your point, though, these are the moments where you're supposed to lean on God the most, and I think that's when all you can do is look up because like sometimes life will not like it's not like necessarily the next day things are gonna drastically be different you still could be in the same situation but like i really like how you're talking about how to not allow temporary situations because you're not supposed to like whatever your circumstance is this isn't that's also temporary so you can't allow that dictate 
like that's just one moment god still sees the rest of like he still have a plan for you the fact that you still got up there's still more to mm-hmm. you like this is not the end so understanding that although you might whatever you're going through and even then if god doesn't change the situation around you sometimes he has to like i've learned this from some some sermon when um this is in in mark when jesus is on the boat and there's a storm and they're like rabbi rabbi teacher teacher like what are you doing like there's a storm outside and he's asleep he is knocked out he is asleep and there's a storm and sometimes he will calm the storm within you before calming the storm around you so although your circumstances or challenges won't change maybe your mindset has changed because i could still be in it that's what it, that's what made me think of when you were talking. I was like, okay, I'm still in it, but the fact that like I'm here, like your mindset can shift. Yes, that person still may be gone out of my life. Yes, I can't bring them back. Yes, I lost my job. That's not getting like I can't get that back, but I'm still here. Like notice how sometimes God is gonna calm the storm in you before calming the storm around you. Now that's something that, that gives me more hope and like that mindset shift. It's not easy. But it's something that I've been pouring into. Like, and that's something you have to just really give to God. Or even just saying, like, God, this still, it still sucks. Like, what are we supposed to do? Like, it's, it's clearly just supposed to be me and you. Because, like, you could be really transparent with God. And I think some people are scared to, like, tell God how you really feel. He already knows. Why don't you just tell him? Like, invite him into this so he can change it. Sometimes I think we block our blessings because we don't invite him in. Because we think, like, oh, maybe, like, I'm not supposed to, like, I'm not supposed to have any questions for God. I'm supposed to always be happy. Who told you that? Like that? No, no, no. Like we can still have like these different emotions. That's my point on that. And then last thing, when you said like you could feel one way and then you eat a meal and you feel something else, that really spoke to me because there are times where I feel like when I'm hungry, you know, people will say they're hangry. Like I could be really irritated and then, okay, I get some food. I'm better. Imagine like acting out on all that irritation. Well, all it took was a meal. Like, and something, and you're thinking of like, when you do life altering decisions, when you're acting out of this deep feeling of grief, I think in moments like that, that's when you really need to lean in on your community, especially biblical community. You want to make sure they tapped into the right source, but leaning in on your biblical community so they can like see that there's changes. Cause sometimes you don't see that you're changing. It takes someone from the outside to see like, Hey, you just, we're, we're making a lot of crazy decisions. It's one thing to, you know, cut your hair, but now you. You're good. You're doing a lot. You're doing a lot of different stuff. So it's like we want to make sure you're, you're checking in. And I think that's when you can lean in on your friends, even if you don't essentially like if you even if you don't initially lean in on your friends. I pray that your friends can notice that something is wrong with you, so then they can start doing. Because I know sometimes it's hard to tell people how you really feel. How um, it really is just you and God. Like not even just talking about like talking to a therapist. Sometimes it's hard to talk to your friends about what you are really going through. So. Um, I don't know. I really just pray that you have people around you who can kind of notice these little nuances because sometimes it's subtle. So definitely check in on your friends. This is a message of checking on your friends, even your strong friends who think that they have everything together because a lot of people don't check in on their strong friends. They just only wait until, because you can be crying behind closed doors. Like you don't, you don't have to be crying in front of other people, but definitely just make sure you're checking in on the, not just people who you are, who tend to show their, um, show their emotions outwardly, check in on those strong friends who don't always tell you how you feel. If your friend's always saying they're fine, every time you ask them, maybe check in a little bit harder. Like every, you're probably not fine all the time. Or you're like, oh, I'm good. None of us are fine I'm straight. all the time. I, I was other stuff. Like, no, literally. So that's just, that's what I got from that. Making sure that we check in on our strong friends. Because when you say grief kind of creeps up on you, when you think that you're fine, okay, I stopped crying. And you're not. That's and so you're, good. you're not. 
<sighs> that was just a lot. I just there was a lot I had to process there. I'm a, I'm gonna be quiet now. Denar, you did amazing. I, I, was... I do want to. I do want because I want us to have a practical truth to walk away with. A lot of times we put emphasis on our storm, and God's emphasis is not on your storm. God's emphasis is on you. You mm. are His priority. You are his concern you are etched in the palm of his hand it's you that he knows how many hairs are on your head he is intricately involved and concerned about you not your storm that's why jesus was able to sleep in the bottom of a boat in the middle of a storm because he wasn't the storm doesn't move god so you can't let the storm move you now there will be times oh, when you are affected good. by the storm. Hold on. You can be affected by the storm, <laughs> but you got to always remember that the only person who has control of me is God. And my mom used to sing a song that mm. God who moves earth, winds and waters. He is concerned about me. And that's how you have to live that's your good. life in the middle of your grief. Remind yourself I belong to God. I'm his responsibility. And you will always be afraid. You will always live in fear. You will always live in turmoil and confusion when you focus on the storm. But you got to focus on the God who's focused on you. Lock eyes with God. And know that that he sees beyond the storm. So you're focused on right now and what's happening now. But God is like, why are you even focused on? I got that because there's something bigger. On Worried the other about side. the like, wrong I got that. thing, and that's human, right? That's that's human. That's just priorities, though. That's, and that's just human nature. Yeah. that's human nature to to focus on or, or, or to to be concerned about your life because you want things to be in order. You want things to be okay, and yeah. that's intricately okay. I promise you, that is human. That is okay, but you can't let that rule you because if you had yourself, yes. then you wouldn't need God. If you had yourself, you wouldn't be grieving. If you mm. had yourself, there would be not there would not be a need for therapists That's and people amazing. to help you. You do not have it all, and it is okay. And in those moments when mm-hmm. things are going topsy turvy and you are confused and you are disoriented, it is best for you to look to God and to be honest with the people around you. So when we talk about the priority being you, you got to see yourself as a priority and that the people that God puts around you, he puts them around them, around you to help you. You They can't help you if you are dishonest. They can't help you if Mm -hmm. you're hiding. They can't help you if you are in your room crying yourself to sleep but coming out smiling. You got to let them know something is going on. Don't wait on people to check on you. Don't wait on people to check on you because some people may never check on you. Go to them. Go to them, initiate the conversation with your friend. Hey, fam, I'm not well. I'm not doing good. This transition, moving to college, going to college is not working. This new job is not working. Me not having a job is not working. We need a day. You need to be able to say those things because sometimes we can be so involved with our own lives and our own families and our own careers that it's hard to pay attention to what's going on with someone else. And we should. We definitely should, Mm -hmm. but do not wait on someone to check on you. Sometimes you need to take responsibility and get up and do your own work. Sometimes you need to take up your own bed and walk. 
Girl, and what does up. that look That's like? Right. So maybe that looks like having a conversation with your friends. Maybe that looks like going to therapy. Maybe that looks like having a conversation with someone who's gone through and come out of whatever it is that you're dealing with. But whatever you find mm. yourself, you got to find yourself doing some work. Don't just sit in it. It is the enemy's yeah. job to make you sit in stuff. And all he's trying to do, because you got to remember it, mm-hmm. that the devil's job is to do one thing, two, three things, steal, kill, destroy. Here's how I look destroy. at stealing. He steals time from us. And time oh. that we waste mm-hmm. with the things of the enemy, because death is not a part of God. He can't relate to it. Yeah, that's so. He said he can't relate. That's not how he intended the world. That's not how Mm -mm. he intended his for his children, and it's certainly not what he intended for his son. It's not. That's why he went and raised them up. He couldn't let death have the last say, and so, so, so a lot of times when when we we are experiencing death in our lives, the truth of the matter is that sometimes it is the enemy trying to steal your time. Because if I sit here and I and I soak and I and I and I'm crying and I'm wallowing in my grief and I'm stuck mm-hmm. in my grief, that's time that I could yep. be doing something else. And so since I can't stop you by taking stuff from you, maybe if I allow death, I, I send grief. I will send grief your way to make you stop going and stop working and stop going to church and stop doing your work and stop going to class wow. and stop being productive. You have to see yourself as a con- on the constant defense the enemy is all mm-hmm. he is i'm telling you he will always find a way to take time from you so you have to make yeah. up make up the, in yourself in your mind in your in your heart in your decision making that i'm going to get up and i'm going to do something about this i'm not going to sit here i'm not going to sit here because if i sit here i'm going to waste time and the longer you sit the more okay you'll be with it being there why did they tell the man, get up and take take up your bed and walk? He told him, because there's no need for you to lay here anymore. The work has already been done for you. So get up and go about your day. Get up and go about your work. I'm telling you, wherever you are, whatever you're dealing with, depression or whatever, don't sit in it. Don't sit in your stupor. Do not sit in that. Because the longer you sit, the more okay you'll become with it. And eventually, eventually you're going to die in it. And that is not God's intention. I'm up. I heard you. I'm I'm up. I'm up. <laughs> That's so good. And can I say something else? While you're in it, go ahead. So when we talk about what do you do in your in, in your nighttime when 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 things have changed but it don't look like it has, you you gotta mm-hmm. you you pass. Here we go. Go my ahead. Pastor, what did Pastor say? My pastor, what does he say? My pastor preached a message. Oh, we love you. Go ahead, Pastor Mary. My pastor preached What'd a message say? one time called Worship While You Weep. Because oh, I was going to worship. Go ahead and talk next, up. Cheyenne. Go ahead and talk next. Because mm-hmm. <gasps> <laughs> when you worship, your focus is upward instead of looking around you at what's going on. You look up. Look and up. help will never come from around. Help will only come from look up, cause your help Heaven. draws nigh. Look up. So since we're, that's good. 
Go ahead, Cheyenne. Go. I'm just going to go into it. Just do it. Just so do it. you basically said it like what to do in your grief, what to do in your midnight. And um, the Holy Spirit reminded me yesterday of what Pastor said. I, we're talking about two different things, but Pastor said at a funeral that he did um, a few weeks ago, he brought up 2 Samuel 12, um, verses 19 to 23. And this is where David had lost his son. And he basically like got up in worship. So I'm going to read a little, just a little bit. It says, um, but when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, is the child dead? They said, he is dead. Then David arose from the earth, the ground, and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes and went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then his servant said to him, what is the thing that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. He said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. I said, who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back? And shall I go to him? But he will not return to me. So that's so good. Like when you're in this space of grief, get up, wash yourself and worship. And I just thought like, that's just so good. Like not even when somebody dies or something, but like y'all were talking about losing a job or losing a friendship, like get up and worship, go back to your source, go back to your God who can help you and who sees beyond this situation. Um, and that also ties into lamenting, which I brought up earlier, which is like crying out to God, just like, saying, Lord, I need you in this moment, like more than anything. And like talking to him about that and building that intimacy with him. And I want to, I want to, I want to point out something here in that scripture. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up in that scripture. He tells him, he says, I'm going to get up. I'm going to wash my face. I'm going to change my clothes and I'm going to go worship. Now, here's why it's important that you change your garments. Different seasons require different garments. Mm, okay. Different seasons require different garments. I can't dress in the spring the way I would dress in the fall or I'm going to sweat. I'm going to be hot. Go ahead. And so I have, to, I have to change my garments. And I promise you, if you don't wash and you don't, if you don't change your clothes and you sit with the same garment on when the season has changed, eventually you will start to stink. I'm to get my and shoes. what we're seeing in a, when we look around are people that are stinking. We're looking at stinky people. People who smell That's like their good, last bro. season. People who smell like their last relationships, people that, mm. that smell like the last thing that happened to Stop. them. We smell, they, Stop. they smell. And I'm telling you that in those moments, you got to get up, off. change your clothes, wash your face. Now, changing your clothes, here's an easy way to do it. Scripture says, I'll give you, a, you want to make an exchange? I'll give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. In other words, I tell you what, I'll give you a garment of praise for the spirit of grief. Mm. in exchange for your grief here's the garment of praise they said i'll give you a reason to praise me so the scripture mm. goes on to say in everything give thanks for this is the will of god in christ jesus concerning you he didn't say for everything give thanks right i'm not thanking god that my grandma died but i am gonna thank god if 
I'm thanking God because I know that there's more in it for me than there is against me. I'm thanking you because you're here to even help me. I'm thanking you because I'm still Mm -hmm. in my right mind this morning. I'm not putting my shoes on my hands. Despite everything that just happened to me, I'm still alive. Despite everything that's going on in my life, I'm still sane. Sometimes it's a wonder that we're still sane after all the things that we've dealt with and been through. That's the reason to give God praise. And when we talk about also praising God, it shifts my focus. It makes me work. It makes me focus on what's important to God. And that is the future as opposed to what happened to me. So you got to get up and you got to change your clothes. Get up, change your clothes, wash your face and go worship. Go eat. Now let's talk about that part. Go eat. It's a whole sermon. Go ahead, sir. Go eat, fam. Eat. Go eat. And I say that not just saying, you know, go go, go have a meal. Go have a meal. But go about your day. Go about, move on. Get up from this bed of pain. You don't have to fast no more. Because we were fasting, asking God to do something for us. No, 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 no. Get up and go about your day. Because and, and David goes on to say, because what, what is it going to change? That's basically what he was saying. Yeah. What is it going to change? It's not going to bring my yeah. child back. It's not. Mm-mm. So go on about your day. Don't sit in that too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even when he talks about eating, I was just also thinking of just um, when you're eating, yes, enjoy like a good meal, but also like keep feeding your spirit yes. because yeah. you want to make sure that God. you in this time, like we're Good talking about spirit. worshiping, that's a way to fill your spirit. Um, reading your word as a way to yeah. feed your spirit getting together with godly and biblical community that's feeding your spirit make sure you're still like you're eating in that way too because again we have a spiritual world and we have a physical world make sure you straighten the physical world but you gotta make sure your spirit is is okay too yeah, because man. you can't yeah. you can't really live without the other so make sure that you are still feeding that spirit it might be a little hard to get in your word like even with Denard's example okay you might have lost your grandmother it might be a little hard to get into your word but there are other ways you can still feed your spirit in this like you don't want to sit in it too long mm-hmm. yeah but that's so that's, good that's good and just to go off of that um we kind of brought it up but romans twelve fifteen talks about rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn mm-hmm. with those who mourn so get around your godly community like even if they're not reaching out to you like denar was saying reach out to them and let them know like hey i'm going through this like the bible instructs your godly community to mourn with you yeah to be there for you we got you so that's so important yeah and um an example of that actually was camille and i one of our friends like had a loss last last year last semester or something um, and we basically just went over there and mourned with them. And I didn't even realize that we had acted out this verse until yesterday when I was going over this, but it says mourn with them. We literally cried with them. We sang yeah. with them. We like physically we comforted them. We worshiped. Yeah. Them. We were, we were literally we, like, playing worship music. Comforted them, like yeah. held them, like I'm here for you. Right. And just living out that verse. Um, so that's so important. Just like pray with that person. Just lean on your godly community. And that it, is so important. And it also challenges us 
to be the community that we're one day going to need. Because the truth of the matter is yes. we're all going to go through something. Go That's ahead. Good. We're all going yeah. mm-hmm. to deal with something. So what it is, it, it, yes. it was, it's incumbent upon each of us to literally be the community that we're going to need, right? Mm-hmm. Be the faith community that someone else needs. Check on other people. Yes, I, I know I said earlier, mm-hmm. everybody's not going to always check, but we should be checking. We should be helpers one for another. We should be concerned about our brothers and our sisters. And so there comes a time where you you have to put your, put your own self to the side, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, um, eventually you're going to have a death. Eventually you're going to have to transition, even though you're going to be, eventually you're going to be faced with grief grief, and you're going to need someone to be there. And it's easier for people to be a community and a support to you when you've been that to them. Yeah. Because what you don't want is people coming just because they are out of obligation. That's great and everything, but it's better when people come out of relationship. You were there for me, you showed up for me, and now we're just here returning the favor. We're here to show up for you. So what does that look like? Take some food by somebody else. You know, black people are good for that. You know, we good for that. <laughs> Let somebody die. We taking you surely we taking Popeye. You will be well fed. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and and literally little things like that go a long way. But being concerned about mm-hmm. someone other than yourself, checking on other people and making sure that they're good and being and availing yourself to meet their needs. Yes. Yeah. I would also say like don't grieve, quote unquote, or um be in distress if you've given that to a certain person but they don't give it back to you get out of my head i was thinking about get that yesterday and out i was like wow like my i've head. been there for this person and not that i've been so i need you to come help me but i've been there for you i cried with you i cried mm. with you i came and hugged you and i'm like lord like this person does not give me that same energy they don't pour back into me but yes. i've been there for you so it's just the thing of like working with the Lord to um, not hold a grudge with that person, but to just understand like the Lord needed you to be there for them. And if they're not there for you in the same way, it's okay. It's, it's, it's okay. okay. It's okay. So Literally, I was thinking in my head how I was like, I feel like someone would say, well, they didn't do that for me. Why would I do that for them? And you literally just said the same thing. Like, and there's been times where I've definitely poured into other people and they are not pouring into me. But what I've learned from that is that maybe God was using me in that way. But it's okay if it's not always transactional. Maybe that person mm-hmm. doesn't need to be a close person in your mm-hmm. life. But you can still you can mm-hmm. still give life to other people, even if they're not your close friends. Because we don't mm-hmm. want to be acting out of pettiness like, they did nothing for me. I'm going to keep the same energy. I'm going to match energies. If you allow other people's energy to dictate you, like why are you allowing other people be in control of you yeah now, that's the whole other thing that's what that really gives like this whole like well i'm giving him the same energy i'm giving her the same energy you want to be petty i can be petty too why like god doesn't call us to be petty it's yeah. a, that person's being petty but god's telling you okay what am i telling you to do it doesn't matter if everyone else isn't doing the same thing as you it doesn't matter if everyone else um is doing the same things to you what am I telling you to do? If I told you to go over there and cry with that person, pray for that person, worship with that person, if they won't do that to you, I still saw what you did. Like, you have to be like, God still sees us. And if yes. we start acting like, well, they didn't do that to me, God saw that you didn't help them when he told you to go help them. So, like, thinking of it, like, kind of like yes. that. Yeah. 
and he already has somebody else in place to be that person for yes. you. Yeah. Like, yes. You may think that the person that you, you pointed to them. the thing for you. No. You God didn't need a person to do that. This is so good. Because, bro, can this I tell you? People be peopling. So let me just warn you. All people, you people be peopling. Thought that Christians don't deal with stuff. We don't have issues. Let me just go and tell you, it's not honey and roses. It be the Christians. Because let me tell you. It be the, the Christians. The people be peopling. And you got to prepare mm-hmm. yourself for that. And that's why people can't be your focus. That's why. Because you will always mm-hmm. find a reason to be disappointed when you depend on people. Go ahead. Baby, people will people. Go will, ahead. People will people you. And people you gotta, you're gonna have to live past that. And can I also suggest, might I also suggest that sometimes people didn't show up, those people, the people that you expected to, maybe they didn't show up because they weren't supposed to. Maybe they weren't the right person to help you through that situation. Maybe they don't know what to say out their mouth. God's weeding them out. Maybe, maybe they didn't know what to say out their mouth. So God had to send somebody else who had a little bit more wisdom, who could season their words a little bit better, who knew how to be of assistance to you, who could be more than just a shoulder to cry on, but also be a resource to actually help Mm. you get somewhere and get better. So sometimes Mm. you you, you don't be upset when the people that you thought would show up don't show up, but always think about the people who did show up. And that's something else that I want us to remember. Always remember to focus on those who showed up and not the ones who didn't. Mm, Sometimes we will walk into a birthday party for ourselves and think about the people who didn't come. When there's mm. 50, 60, 75 people who did. I have done that. That's good. It's easy to do. That's- right? It's easy. It's easy. Because <laughs> sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes we keep record of the things we do for other people. Which isn't real love. Love keeps no record of wrongs. But me, sometimes. I sometimes keep a receipt. Sometimes, I, <laughs> sometimes I got a receipt. Like sometimes me is me. Sometimes me <laughs> is me. And I'm telling mm-hmm. you, also, you you can't you cannot be focused on what other people do and don't do. You can't be moved by that. Mm-hmm. The people who do is because God good. moved on their hearts to do, and those are the ones that you want. That's so good. Amen. That's so good. This was That's great. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, That's so good. Before we wrap up, I did want to bring in um, how you can grieve other things than death. Um, and just two quick examples. Um, so the first one is how God grieved for wickedness. And in Psalm 78, 40 to 41, it says, how often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Again and again, they tempted God and pained the Holy One of Israel. Um, To tie onto that, Genesis 6, 5 to 6 says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And NLT says it broke his heart. So grieving is simply just your heart being broken. And that can be in any situation. Um, and the second example is Hannah in First Samuel grieving over being barren. First um, Samuel one sixteen says, "Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief." So grief is a broken heart, but it's also crying out to the Lord again, lamenting. Um, and in this, like a little backstory behind this, Eli basically 
goes up to Hannah and he's like, girl, like, are you drunk? Like, what are you doing? Like, because she's praying without, uh, nobody else can hear her. She's crying out to the Lord. Nobody else can hear her. And he's like, are you drunk? And she's like, no, like I'm literally just crying out to the Lord in my grief. I want to have kids, but I'm barren. Like I'm just crying out to the Lord. So just a few other examples of how grief can be something other than death um, and how we can look at those stories and, and relate to those as well. So, yeah. Oh, woman of God, bringing in the biblical stories. Yes, yes. Well, one last question before we wrap up. Um, have you guys experienced grief in your life, whether that be family, friends, non-death experience, etc.? If so, how did you process it? Definitely. I mean, I feel like that's also just a part of life. Like, I think someone could probably be lying if they haven't. <laughs> like, I've dealt with, like, physical death and also just, like, as I've gotten older, like, figuring out, like, who's really supposed to be in my life. Like, whether that be for friends, um, romantic relationships, that really took a, like, that was a whole grieving process. I didn't know I was grieving honestly until like uh last semester I figured out I was really grieving before I didn't realize I, I was grieving like that so now I'm becoming more aware um as far as how did I process that I actually giving it to God there there are some aspects of my life that I wouldn't allow God well I thought I wasn't allowing God and he's still gonna in, interject himself but there was times where I wasn't willingly inviting God in and I see why there was no fruit. And it was definitely like in regards to like choosing my friends, um, choosing romantic relationships, things like that, like not inviting God in. So now I make sure to invite God in. So that's, that was like a whole shift. And then also just um, leaning in on my community more, like telling people how I feel. I'm not one to always open up like that, but I know that like, I do need to be a little bit better at that. So that's something I've been working on. I think it's been helping a lot with just being like completely like vulnerable, not to everybody because everybody don't need that, but to like the close few who actually get to like, to come into my life. So definitely inviting God in and then leaning in on my biblical community and being vulnerable and honest with them and not trying to just sprinkle some Jesus glitter on it when it's a real real deep issue yeah I've definitely I can relate I um I've definitely experienced grief um uh um my mother my grandmother and my great-grandmother um have all transitioned um, my mother did not raise me. My great-grandmother did with the help of my grandmother. Um, and I noticed grief a lot around the holidays. Um, that's when I missed them the most. Um, but one of the things that I remind myself is that my grief suggests that I miss them. And if I miss them, that means that they really meant a lot to me and that they did a lot of good in my life. And so um, I remind myself that um, I have to embody the good that they were. To me, I have to embody that to other people. Um, that's the way that I deal with it. Um, like I said, I noticed this. I noticed my grief usually around the holidays, especially Easter, Christmas, those Thanksgiving 
because those were days that I spent with my family um, and that they would they would really put that together. Um, Christmas was always a huge production. Everything in my family. We have a huge family with <laughs> 75 people in the immediate family. It, it's it's oh, wow. everything's a huge production, <laughs> right? Right? Like how are we gonna get into a house? How all of us are gonna fit in a house? That's a production. Um, and so I noticed it a lot on holidays. Um, I noticed it a lot on uh, when we we're getting ready for Christmas. And to just even be a little transparent, um, when my great grandmother passed in 2018, I had no. She uh, the year before she passed, she um, had. I don't want to say she she didn't talk as much. Um, she was older, right? My great-grandmother died when she was about 95. So wow. things had transitioned. Things had begun to change before she passed. And so um, the Christmas before she died, I remember feeling so sad and so just wishing that I could have Christmas the way it was, the way it used to be. Um, thinking about all the memories that we had. And I had to say, you know what, Denard? You're laying here in this grief. You got to get up and do something about it. So how can I make it through this holiday season? Because it was like Thanksgiving. I knew it was going to be a long season. Because you don't realize how long the holidays are until you're doing the holidays without somebody who was a part of it. That's that's when you realize how long the holiday season lasts. And so... That was the year um, that I did because I said, "What would my mom do? Like, what, like if she was healthy and well, and we things were, you know, where they were, what would we be doing right right about now?" I said, "We would put up a Christmas tree." So every year since 2017, I have put up a Christmas tree, and every year it gets bigger and bigger. If you've never seen the holidays at my house, it's a thing. But it started because I was working through my grief. Right, I was working through. Um, missing my family, missing my my great grandmother at the holiday time. What I didn't know is that that next year she was going to transition, like she was going to pass. I already mm. had a remedy to get through like the holidays. Yeah, and mm. I've learned to um, instead of crying about what was and is no longer, I celebrate what is and what could be. So. Mm. Contrary to popular belief, men do also feel sad when they don't have a, a wife and children, believe it or not. That's good. It's not just a feminine quality. Um, and so holidays, I sometimes could see myself, you know, I don't have my mom. I also don't have, like, kids in the family. So, like, how can I get through this? And that's when I go, I, I go spend all my money on other people's kids. I make sure if there's not going to be a child that don't have a Christmas. Cause we'll make sure they they have one, right? I love that time of year. I love gift giving. If I could cook, I'd be cooking. If I could bake, <laughs> I'd be baking. You know, but I will make some nachos at Christmas time just to make it through the holidays. I gotta f- try these nachos. Everybody be talking about nachos. No, he don't be oh, making them. Not for everybody. Big. I see you make it for select, so I gotta. I gotta make it. Select I gotta make it crazy. for the podcast. I gotta make it for the podcast. Yeah, at least for, at least for the pod. At least for the pod. At least for the pod. Yeah, I just thank you, like, for just being vulnerable and transparent. And as you were talking, I would just think of like how you told me, like, around certain times, you kind of get sad, and like even your birthday, and like thinking of Monet and stuff, and just like. I think it's important to understand when you're like certain times when your friends are feeling down. 
because now I know like Christmas, Easter, Denard's birthday, like I need to be there for him. Like I need to get the mergers together and we need to do something for him so that he can feel like loved and like other people are here for him. So just understand when your friends are like not feeling the best at certain times and don't try to put extra pressure on them. Um, but yeah, to answer the question, I have not experienced grief as it pertains to death with someone close to me. Um, like my grandpa died, but I, that was when I was a baby. So I didn't really know him. Um, and like one of my principals died and that was really sad, but it wasn't like super close to me. So I have not experienced that yet. But um, as it pertains to grief with like losing friends and like losing relationships, um, a way that I've dealt with that is like, like Camille said, like genuinely, and not just saying this because we're on the podcast, but like genuinely leaning on God and like understanding that he let this person go for a reason and that there's something bigger on the other side. There's somebody better on the other side. So yeah, just like, just leaning on God. Yeah, there's more like, just really living that out. Not just saying we're leaning on God, but like actually doing it, like seeking him. So this is amazing. Oh my gosh, this is great. Um, Shout out to Denar. Um, yes appreciate you he on his spring yeah, break in a different time. time zone and yeah so yes. shout out to denard shout out to denard yeah it's been a, pl- um, so a pleasure been, oh sorry oh no no i was <laughs> giving been my, doing this with our guest it's like a little flash question just to get to know our guest it's the shoulders so today, <laughs> today's flash question is what is one of your guilty pleasures Oh, guilty pleasure, sour candy. Mm. Love them. Probably be shopping, spending way too much money on that. Mm. Okay, I would have. I have a big sweet tooth, so honestly, like when I have like a craving for something sweet, I probably go like all out. Anything caramel, I'm gonna get it. Mm. If that's if we're thinking food, like anything caramel, I'm gonna get it no questions asked like none of that but definitely shopping i've been getting way better at shopping i haven't been shopping as much um but i could find an excuse to shop so yeah Yeah. wow that's a really loud siren sorry if you guys can hear that but um yeah this was great so just again thank you denar this was great this was god this is goodbye see y'all bye y'all